What are the top five non-food things that people crave to eat? The top five non-food things that people crave to eat. Also known as pica. New word I learned this week. P-I-C-A. Top five things. These might surprise you. Number five. Sorry, this isn't participatory. <laughs> I know that's normal. Did you say steak? Oh, paint. I was thinking, never mind. All right. No, sorry. Paint is not right. Number five. Number five, charcoal. Number four, burnt matches. Number three, laundry starch. Number two, clay. Number one, non-food item that people crave is dirt. Yes. Did you know that 35 to 40% of children crave all five of these things at some point in their childhood? I had no idea. Now, we all have cravings. Most of us have food cravings for food, but we also have non-food cravings in this life. Most of those non-food cravings, though, are not for non-food things to eat. We have non-food cravings. And I would contend the number one non-food craving in any human heart is acceptance. The desire to be loved by others, to have others say, you're okay in my sight, to be part of a group of people that love and care for them. Acceptance. Another way of looking at this maybe is the human heart wants to belong somewhere. The human heart wants someone that will care for it. The human heart wants someone that knows that it's interested in it. The human heart has a hunger for belonging. Well, the good news this morning, that hunger for belonging, to be part of a people group, to have people love us, to have people know us, that longing, that craving is God's design. I would contend that today you and I were created with a hunger for belonging that can only be satisfied through intimate relationships that God designed the church to be. Humanity is created with a hunger for belonging that can only be satisfied through intimate relations which the church is designed to be. That longing that you have to belong is God's design. This is burn this truth in your mind this morning that God has designed you, God has created you to belong to people. Jesus is praying here in John chapter 17. It's a great opportunity to hear what's on the mind of God. If you want to know what someone wants, look at what they pray for. What's Jesus praying for here? He's, he's praying first for his followers, those 12. But this prayer, notices next goes to the followers that are going to come after those original followers. As he prays, Father, I pray that my original 12 may be one. But then he says that those who believe in me through them, that they may be one as well. Jesus' desire is that you and I would be one with one another. Now, he goes into some very weird math at this point. Jesus says, Father, I pray that they would be one as we are one, basically saying, 
1 plus 1 plus 1 equals... You're not supposed to give the right, right answer. <laughs> oh, people know their Bibles too well. 1 plus 1, for most part, equals 3. Jesus has got a whole different approach to math. For Jesus, 1 plus 1 equals 1. How does this work? Or what do I mean by that? When I say God, when I say God, I mean Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We believe in one God, that there is one God in the universe. But when we say God, we mean Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that that God exists in three different beings. So you have three distinct beings, substances, but yet one God. Scientifically, I have no idea how this works. Mathematically, it doesn't work. But God's Word says it is so. So therefore, it is so. Because God has made this known about Himself. So Jesus is saying, hey, Father, you and I exist separate, but guess what? We're one. And now Jesus prays, I want my followers to what? Be one just like we are one. In other words, Jesus desires that the relationship you and I have would reflect the relationship that he has with his Father. The unity that you and I have should look like the unity that exists in the Trinity. And when you study the Trinity in the Bible, you notice this. One doesn't do something apart from the others at any time. The Son only goes when the Father sends him. The Spirit only goes when the Son sends him. They work in unison at all times. They do something that's really crazy, that's even harder to understand. They are constantly glorifying one another. What that means is this. They're constantly saying, hey, this other person is great. So the Son's saying about the Father, hey, the Father's great. The Father's saying, the Spirit's great. The Spirit is saying, the Son is great. It's constantly this reciprocal motion going back and forth because they're in unison together. Now Jesus desires that that unison in the Trinity be the unison in our relationships. It's God's design and desire that we belong to one another. What does that mean? What it means is that we're dependent upon one another. 1 Corinthians 12, I'd encourage you to maybe use that as your Bible passage this week to meditate upon. 1 Corinthians 12 goes into this message of the body of Christ. As the Apostle Paul says, you are the body of Christ, and individually you are members of it. In other words, what he's saying there in 1 Corinthians is that the church is this, is this big body, but all of you individually make up that body. So, parts of the body are what? Dependent upon one another for life. You have to have a head and feet. You can't have, you can't have just one. If you have an ear with no nose, you have no sense of smell, but you have hearing. You're dependent upon each other. Each one, what? Benefits the other. So to be one as God is one in the Trinity means to be dependent upon one another. It's okay to say, I need help. Because human beings were not created to go alone. Human beings were not created to fight the fight on their own. We should be dependent upon one another because guess what? All of us bring a different gift, a different skill to the table. 
all of us bring a different perspective to the table. We need every perspective, we need every gift, and every skill to what? Make it work, fully function. The body can function without certain parts, but it's not fully functioning for the common good. In order for the body to function well for the common good, every part needs to do their job. To be in relationship like the Trinity is to be dependent upon one another. The second thing to be in relationship like the Trinity is something not. It's not to be the same. Unity of relationship doesn't mean there's no diversity. Think how different the ear is from the big toe in the imagery of the body in 1 Corinthians 12. Vastly different. Vastly different in what they do. Vastly different in how they look. God's design was was never that everybody would look and sound exactly the same. There is beauty in diversity. So, unity of relationship is not uniformity. But it's differences coming together and creating unity around mission, unity around purpose. It's differences coming together and sharing in common things, common life, building one another up even when there are differences. God's design is that we would be one with one another. 1 Corinthians 12, it says there, verse 26, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Many times this verse has been used to uh, argue that we should have denominations, Baptists, Lutherans, Reformed. This verse has nothing in 1 Corinthians 12 to do with denominations. God's intention was never for there to be Baptist, Lutheran, Reform. God's in, that's not God's intention. There's no such thing as Baptists or Lutherans when 1 Corinthians 12 was written. And not only that, but 1 Corinthians 12 used the word individual, not group of people. You as an individual are part of the body of Christ. You as an individual are part of God's grand design to be in a family. Whether you're Lutheran, Baptist, Reformed, I, that's just that's a human label that's made for humans to organize themselves. It's not from God. It's not orchestrated by God. It's a human institution. We've got to begin to think of ourselves as followers of Christ, part of something much larger. At the same time as much larger body of Christ, guess what? We're part of something much smaller. Because right here in this room, this is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ right here. We don't need some reform to come in and then we're all of a sudden we're the body of Christ. No, we are the body of Christ. Followers gathered together. And then when we step outside of here and join together with other Christians that might be labeled differently, guess what? We're still the body all together. So you got a small body right here that's a reflection of the overarching body that's all around the whole globe. God's design is that you would be in intimate relationship in what he calls his body, the church. This is the design of God, that we would belong to one another, we'd be dependent upon one another, but we wouldn't necessarily be exactly the same. So what are the benefits then of being in this relationship that God desires? Now, if it's God's design that we're in this close relationship with one another, the benefit, this should be benefit in and of itself, right? That God wants it, He designed it, that's like, good enough for me. But let's flush out maybe why it's designed that way. 
there are two major benefits to being in close-knit relationship. The first is for our emotional well-being. Our emotions are our feelings. How, how we feel about certain things. All of us have emotions. And we all know how powerful emotions are. Emotions cause us to do certain things. Emotions stop us from doing certain things. Emotions, what? They can wreak havoc on a life really, really fast. Emotions are powerful. They're real. God desires that we're emotionally healthy. Our challenge, and I'm really talking to the men here for a few moments this morning, you women as well, our, our challenge, though, is that with our emotions, what most of the time we do is what? Stuff it. Healthy relationships actually leads to healthy emotional life because this, you can share your feelings in a healthy relationship rather than allowing your feelings to cause you to do harm to a relationship. If you don't share your feelings in a healthy relationship, your feelings will cause you to do harm to a relationship. It doesn't work to stuff. Guess what? It affects you. If you stuff how you're feeling about something, it causes you to be short with a coworker. It causes you to say a certain word to a spouse or to a child. Stuffing it doesn't work. It kind of is like this. You preheat the oven. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to put the cookies in the oven when what? It's done preheating. I used to always like, oh, come on, just stick the cookies in the oven. But what happens if you stick the cookies in the oven before it's done? The bottoms are always burnt. It's, it's not made that way. I mean, you put it in once it's preheated. If all you do is stuff your feelings, well, guess what happens? It starts to burn all of your other relationships because you're not dealing with your feelings. A healthy relationship can lead to a good emotional life because now you have a safe place to express your feelings rather than allowing your feelings to cause you to do something harmful. Relationships help with emotions. Relationships are also critical for a strong spiritual life. And it makes sense. God designs it. God wants it, demands it. It helps us spiritually. James chapter 5 says, Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to who? Not God. I mean, that's what I'm, just the verse of James. Confess your sins to one another. Why? So that you get it out in the open so that what? You get over that sin. You beat it into the ground and you say, don't come back again. I'm dealing with you right now and you don't have any control over me. If you leave a sin in the dark, what happens? It festers. You don't deal with sin. It just festers, brings about more sin, continues to cause pain. I would challenge you today. Search the New Testament. Find me places where it says confess sins to God. I would contend this morning that once an individual is saved by the blood of Christ, the first place they should go to confession is a fellow believer. We should go to a fellow believer and acknowledge our sin so that it's out in the open. And then that fellow believer can say to us, in Christ, you're forgiven. Now, how can we deal with this issue? 
Your forgiveness isn't dependent upon asking for forgiveness after every single sin. It goes against the heart of our teaching that you are justified once and for all through the blood of Jesus Christ when you come to faith. God doesn't tell us confessions so that he can just hear a list. He's like, oh, yes, I get to hear another list today. Confessions for our soul. It's for our well-being that we confess our wrongdoing. Acknowledge it. Say, God is right. I'm wrong. I want to deal with it. And a healthy relationship allows what? Confession. Healthy relationships can lead to healthy emotional life and healthy spiritual life. And in both of these, both of these, healthy relationships can bring encouragement. And everybody in this room, I don't care how stubborn you are and how strong you think you are, everybody in this room needs encouragement. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, keep on meeting as you are doing and encourage one another today as long as it is called today. You and I need encouragement. It's hard being faithful to Jesus Christ, and it's getting harder. If it's not hard for you to be faithful to Jesus right now, guess what? It's because you're not being faithful to Jesus. It's really hard to be faithful to Jesus. We need constant encouragement, which comes from relationships, belonging to a group of people. So God has designed us to belong. There's benefit to belonging. Now let's get really practical. What should I do? if I want to be in relationship the way God designed it. What should I do? First thing is this. Start being a giver rather than a taker. 1 Corinthians 12, the whole point is this. Every part of the body does its job. If all you do is take, 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 guess what? Life is taken from you. The kingdom of God works the opposite way. When you give, 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 you get life. We live in a culture that's full of takers that say, me, my, mine, I deserve this, I deserve that, da-da-da-da-da. Guess what? The church should be the last place that we have a bunch of takers. We should be a bunch of givers to one another. Are you doing your part? Or are people doing stuff for you, covering for you? You say, well, I'm not very good at mopping the floor. Who cares if you're good at mopping the floor? Somebody's got to mop the floor. You want life, you got to give. You want healthy relationships, you got to give. Give, give, give. Second thing you got to do if you want healthy relationships, you got to open up. It's not a real relationship unless people know what's going on. Again, talking right to you men this morning. Have you opened up to anyone else about what's going on? What's causing you to be mad? What's frustrating you? What's causing you to be joyful? We've got to open up a little bit. There's this word vulnerability. We need a little bit more vulnerability. I think I might be lied to more on Sunday morning than any other time. There's no way that everybody comes here on Sunday morning and you're all, good, doing good. It's just impossible. Now, that doesn't mean when you're coming through the line, I want you to just stop and give me the whole story right there. But I want you to find somebody at King of Glory and open up with and find someone that they can open up with you. If we're going to do the way the way God designed it, we've got to open up to each other. We've got to admit to one another what's going on. Why? Somebody else might be struggling with the exact same thing. 
and you can help one another. You've got to open up because guess what? The answer is not within you. The answer is not within you. The answer is in the Word of God and through the speaking of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit speaks through other believers, speaks through the Word of God. You've got to open up so the Word of God can be spoken into your life. So this morning, I want to ask us five questions today to see are we belonging. And I'm going to take five minutes here because we're going to go a little bit long. But what I want to do today is I want to model on the macro level what should be happening on the micro level. At King of Glory, we don't want everybody to know everybody. That's impossible. We wouldn't have any depth of relationship. We want everybody to know somebody. And at a very micro level, all of us should be able to answer these five questions. And I want to model for you today what that would look like. I've got to lead by example, so I've got to open up a little bit at the macro level so that each of you would open up on the micro level. So five questions. Do you have someone you can call and ask for anything? Do you have someone you can call and ask for anything? I've got someone, I've I got probably three or four people that I can call at any moment and ask for anything. I can, Paul plays music up here. Best, I can call Paul at any time of the day, night or whatever, and ask for anything. Dirty diaper, hey, can you go grab some diapers for us and bring them over? It's done. Boom. Just like that. Do you have someone you can call and ask for anything? Can people call you and ask for anything? Paul can call me at any moment. Hey, can you come over and do this? Or hey, can I have this? Or can you do this? Done. Any moment, anytime, anywhere. It's done. Can anyone call you, though, at any moment? Can someone call you tomorrow night at 845 and say, hey, could you come over really quick? I need some help with this. And the answer can't be, oh, the bachelor's on. Can it wait 45 minutes? <laughs> can someone call you and ask for anything at moment's notice? Number three, does someone know your joys and your sorrows? What right now are you celebrating? At the McCorris house, we're celebrating that number three McCorris is on the way. I mean, that's our joy right now. What are, what are you celebrating? Does somebody else know your joy in life? Does someone else know what's causing you sorrow in your life? Is there someone, question number four, is someone in your life right now helping you with a struggle? Is someone in your life right now helping you with a struggle? Now, this is going to get weird for, for a second. Some of you are probably like, this guy is off his rocker thing. Now, I've got issues just like all of you have issues. Ever since I can remember as a little kid, I've been a horrible, horrible sleeper. Mainly because I've got bad dreams and nightmares continue as long back as I remember. When I was little, I did weird things with the nightmares. I literally got up and a couple times tried to leave the house. Couldn't sleep, weird dreams, nightmares all the time. It's been bad my whole, my whole life. So I went to college. College was a nightmare for me. Because then what I tried to do, because I had dreams and nightmares, I would try to sleep really lightly so that I wouldn't go to sleep, so I wouldn't talk in my sleep, so my roommate wouldn't have to put up with it or anything. But I kept on dreaming, kept on nightmares, all of, all of that stuff. Well, now I've got the exact same thing going on. But what's weird now 
is my dreams and my nightmares now are actually past sins or current sins haunting me on steroids. Everything I dream about right now is a mistake that I've made and how it could play out. I've always been visionary and always had that thing. But right now, it's, it's as if though Satan just torments in that specific time. That's weird. I, I know that's kind of an odd thing. But you wouldn't believe how much that affects everything else in life. When you can't sleep very well, it kind of rubs off on other things. Relationship, that actually gives you a little bit shorter fuse. Da, 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 just kind of dominoes knock each other down. I don't share this this morning so everybody has sympathy with the pastor. That's not the point. The point is this is the issue that's going on in my life, and I'm talking to somebody about it. I got a good friend that I meet with every week for lunch. So we're trying this new strategy of praying through some specific things, specific mistakes, so that what? We conquer it so it doesn't become ingrained in me. But now I know I've got someone that's actually doing some things for me when I'm not even there with him. How about you today? Do you you have a struggle? Is someone helping you? It could be an addiction. It could be managing money. It could be losing weight. It could be your language. What, what's your struggle? And is somebody helping you? Not, hmm, that's tough. That's not help. Help is, hey, I'll do this. I'll come with you, and, and we'll do this here or there. Do you have someone helping you with your struggle? What are you currently sharing with someone? Final one. What are you currently sharing with someone, physically speaking? This might even seem weirder. Where's your chainsaw right now? Is are someone else allowed to use your chainsaw? So my wire puller right now, I think, is at Derek's house, along with who knows what else. Um, right not? I don't care. I'll go pick it up at midnight if I need it or whatever. But how about you today? And I've got way more of his stuff at my house. Believe me. Thing, thing. So, what about you though? Does someone have your favorite electric mixer at their house today? Why do I say this? I say this because physical possessions are so big to all of us. Such a big deal. It's a big deal then to share those physical possessions. It's a good reflection that I trust you. And we could do a lot better job of sharing in our community. Do you have someone that you share with? Anything and everything. Again, it's just a reflection of a relationship. This morning, my hope is that all of us could answer all five questions. Do you have someone you can call and ask for anything? Can someone call and ask you for anything? Does someone know your greatest joys and your greatest sorrows right now? Does someone, is someone helping you with a struggle right now? Are you sharing something? with someone right now. Church is not a place that we paint. Church is not a gathering that we go to once a week. Church is a people group that journeys together in life until Jesus returns. My desire is that in the next week, God would give you a hunger to belong 
God would take that natural desire to belong and put it on steroids. He'd give you an appetite, a desire to belong to other people, where other people would know you and you would know other people. Why should people come to King of Glory? Because this is a place, a group of people they can belong to. I tell people King of Glory is great because King of Glory is my second family. It's not my second family because that's a nice little phrase. It's my second family because the Bible says so. The Bible says you and I in Christ are family members. You may not want me as your cousin. Guess what? I'm your cousin. <laughs> this next week, it's time to act on that desire to belong. Church isn't something you go to once a week. It's a group of people you belong to as you journey through life until the end. And guess what? You belong to church not because of your skills. You don't belong to church because of your wealth. You don't belong to church because of what you're good at. You belong to church because of one reason and one reason alone. Jesus Christ. You are not a member because of what you've done, you are a member because of what God has done on your behalf. Our unity is not that we agree on every political issue. Our unity is not that we have the same preference on style of how church is done. Our unity is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's stronger than anything else. We belong to one another because Jesus has died for us. He has purchased us with a price. He has made us one in a family. This is a place. This is a group of people we belong to. Let's go forth and ask others to come and belong. Next week, don't go to church. Be the church by belonging to other people and journeying with them in life. Let us pray. Father, we're gathered as your children right here. I pray that you would now create amongst us a desire to be siblings, to love and care for one another as family members do. I pray that you would create within us a passion to know one another. And God, I pray this morning for anyone specifically that doesn't feel like they belong. I ask God that you'd bring someone into their pathway from King of Glory, that they could know someone. Lord, I pray that for anyone this next week that's been a taker, I pray that you'd make them a giver. And I pray for any of us that haven't opened up before, that, God, you would open us up to one another, to each other. God, thank you for making us members, one of another. Thank you for giving us a group of people to belong to. We are yours, God. We seek to glorify you above all else. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his death. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.